Being a dad isn't always easy, but it's the best thing I ever did. I'm constantly improving myself to be the best dad I can be through fitness, nutrition, mindset, and lifestyle. As fathers, we pass on many things to our children, such as our mindset, our habits, our attitude, and what we've learned along the way. Each of these will shape who our children are and who they will become. The Warrior Dad's mission is to help you become the healthiest version of yourself, to hone your edge, and to live with purpose. My name is Jim Bartomey, and this is the Warrior Dads Podcast. As Warrior Dads, we got to tackle a lot of things, but tackling low testosterone levels should definitely not be one of them. Uh, we need to keep our testosterone at peak levels, and that is absolutely crucial for all of us. So I'm sure you know all the horrible things associated with low T levels. If you don't, it's definitely not pretty. Uh, it's Google search away. But unfortunately, testosterone levels in men have been consistently decreasing over the last two decades. And it's actually one of the biggest conversations I have to have when working with men, which is why I decided to create the Warrior Dads Testosterone Booster Guide and Checklist. It's a free download. And all you have to do is go to checklist.warriordads.com. Uh, just download it, start, start implementing it, and start to feel the difference. So again, go to checklist.warriordads.com and get your free copy now. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in for another episode of the Warrior Dads podcast. Today, I am honored to bring on Jack Murphy to the podcast. Uh, Jack is the founder of liminalorder.com, liminal-order.com. He's a writer, a podcaster, the author of the book, Democrats are Deplorable, and a dad of three children. He has a background and experience in economics, international finance, and affairs, real estate development, and he was a charter school executive director for nine years. He brings all of his life experiences to everything he does, writes, and speaks about, and he's just getting started. Jack, welcome to the Warrior Dads podcast. Hey, thank you. Glad to be here. Absolutely. Um, so for anybody that might not know you or doesn't follow you on Twitter, uh, just give, give people, I mean, that was a lot that I covered in the, back, in the, uh, in the intro, but just give people a brief background and uh, what led you to starting the liminal liminal order, uh, which I know is, is a newer project for you. But like you said, it's, uh, or like we were just talking about, it's been taking up a lot of your time in, in one of the best ways possible. So yeah, yeah. Give everybody uh, a little glimpse of that. Sure. I I'd be happy to, that, it's a, it's a really long and involved story. Uh, and I, and I'll, I'll cut it short, but what's interesting about it is that the story itself is what led me to what I'm doing. And, and by that, I mean, uh, I was, uh, I was writing, under a pen name while I was working in regular industry and my, my messages and my topics got political. They first were about masculinity and sex and relationships. And then uh, Trump happened in 2015 and 16 and started to get much more political and started to look into um, not just uh, how uh, masculinity is important or you know, how to work that in sex and relationships, but then why were we facing a crisis of masculinity? And so that brought me into politics and philosophy and culture. And so I was writing about uh, some sensitive issues, you know, being critical of feminism, uh, thinking about issues like immigration, thinking about things like, quote, the patriarchy, et cetera. And so I was writing about political stuff and I ended up getting doxxed by Antifa, which is like a left wing radical group. Um, and they uh, got me fired from my job and all kinds of stuff by trying to brand me as some sort of white nationalist, which I'm obviously not. And so that put my... Wait, this is all when you were writing under the pen name. Yeah, I was all writing under my pen name. They figured out my real name, tracked down my employer, 
contacted them, ran a big Twitter campaign, said that I was partially responsible for like Charlottesville and stuff like all kinds of crazy lies. Um, and yeah, unfortunately my employer violated my first amendment rights and fired me. Um, and you know, that, that's a, a whole huge story that we could get into. And if you want to learn about that, you can read my pin tweet, which is at, uh, you know, at Jack Murphy live on Twitter, but more relevant to this conversation is that that experience sent me into, um, uh, sort of a path that has led me directly to the liminal order. And the liminal order is an online and real world men's organization uh, who's committed to changing our culture first by changing ourselves. Uh, we believe in positive masculinity and the power of individual accountability. And we know uh, that we need to improve ourselves first so that we can then focus on our family, our community, uh, and eventually the nation. And so going through this process of, of getting doxxed and learning about the world and learning about online warfare and network warfare and the state of the culture war led me to come to the conclusion that there were a lot of guys out there like myself who wanted to find a, a community that they could learn from and grow within uh, where they could be trained in certain elements of understanding the world that you're not getting uh, taught in school and whatnot, find fraternity, uh, brotherhood, even have opportunities for service. Um, and this is all meant for the, with the goal of, of being the best men and, and mostly fathers uh, that we could be so that we can be the best uh, of service to our families and, again, our community and eventually our nation. Uh -huh. And so the focus in there uh, is focusing on the mind, body, and spirit, really. And one of the models that um, I have come across uh, in my research and in interviewing people on my podcast uh, is this notion of personal sovereignty. And so we're really focused within the liminal order on enhancing our personal sovereignty. And we can get into each of those six. There's six components that we can get into each of those um, as you'd like. But basically, the liminal order is a group that is designed to help men make sense of the world, become the best version of themselves that they can be, and then to be of best value for their families, communities, and their nation. Because that's, to me, this is the way that we win uh, culture war long term. This is the way that we re, um, that we bring positive masculinity back into. Uh, or just masculinity in general back into a positive light uh, is by actually being it's cliched, but being the change that you wish to see. So I don't want to spend my time just talking about masculinity on Twitter or writing blog posts or talking about community. Um, we're actually doing it uh, and we're improving ourselves. We're improving our, our fellow brothers within the community, within the order. Uh, and we're actually building this community uh, that everyone's like, yeah, you need to do this stuff. You need to do this stuff. Well, we're, we're actually embodying our ideals and we're making change and we're moving forward together. And we're up to about 150 guys now. And it's only been, uh, we, we launched the liminal order back in June of 2019. And uh, so about seven months, eight months in, and we're at 150 guys all across the country. In fact, all over the world. And uh, it's uh, continuing to pick up speed, man. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm curious. I, uh, when I was looking into it, I didn't, I I'll be honest, but I didn't know what the word liminal meant. <laughs> so I Googled it. Yeah. And, um, I'm curious as to why you decided to, 
or how you came up with it. You know, like how did you how did you come up with that name? Because when I Googled it and I and I copied it here from my notes, relating to a transitional or initial stage of a process. Right. Yeah. That's at so, least the first one. So it's just yeah. transitional is the word that really jumped out at me because it's like I mean, I personally think that we shouldn't even have to be when I read that, I was thinking to myself, all right, well, he's probably trying to transition back, like go backwards, right? Of what, of what it's, um, what, what masculinity or what the, the idea of, of man is kind of becoming. And maybe you're also, you're trying to rewind the clock. So I was kind of curious as to how you came up with that and what your thought process was. That's a great question. Uh, so yeah, liminal is definitely like a nerdy word. Um, I could have picked a, I could have picked a much simpler name, um, but uh, maybe it's reflective of my personality. Uh, but but uh, liminality is a state of change or transition. Uh, it it has a number of different uses. Um, one of them is in um, rites and rituals and and uh, the process of becoming something new. So you when you discard the old ways you enter into a transitional period that's marked by chaos, lack of structure, lack of institution. And when you come out on the other side, you come out into a new trans trans, uh, you know, you, you become transformed and you, and you take on a new form. And we're seeing that across all different areas of our culture today, technology, the internet, social media, etc. cetera. Uh, you know, things like this, like a podcast that we're recording on our iPhones, like the, all these things have introduced, chaos into our system uh, our ability to communicate um, to to each other instead of listening from one guy at cbs you know at the six o'clock national news tell us what's going on in the world and how to think or going to university and having your professor tell you what to think you know today we can all now talk to each other the many to the many and this is creating a new sort of chaos in our world and i think we all feel it there's competing narratives there's competing stories there's competing ideas and because human beings form societies based around common stories and mythologies the fact that there's now an infinite number of competing stories and mythologies it's having a a, a chaotic and disruptive effect on our culture and our society and that's not just when it comes to masculinity, that's not just when it comes to the media. It's not just if you remember what happened to the music industry when Napster came around. It's not just there. It's in politics. It's in academia. It's in information gathering. It's everywhere. So we are in a period of change that's affecting us from top to bottom, from all angles and everywhere that we can perceive anything. And we don't know what the next final form is going to be. So we are in a period of what's known as liminality, which is a, 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 a period in your life, uh, whether it's personal or societal, uh, marked by chaos and transition with a, an, an undefined final outcome. And so liminality applies to where we are uh, politically, technology, communication-wise, as well as with masculinity and traditional gender roles, because all these things work together and they all impact each other. And the way we transmit customs and traditions is changing. You know, our dads forgot to tell us how to be masculine for some reason, right? And so the mechanisms for information transmission are changing. So we're all sort of been dropped into this period of chaos. 
And I added the word order on the end as a pun. So the liminal order, that's making chaos, making order out of chaos. That's one way of looking at it. And then order is another word for fraternity or sect. Uh-huh. So it's a, it's a, it's, it's all super, super nerdy, the name, but it really sets the tone for where we are and for what the goal is. And so then the goal of the liminal order is to create men to equip them, to train them, and to provide them with a community of support and accountability that will allow us to not only endure this period of liminality, but to actually come out stronger and more secure on the other side. Yeah. I really like that. I mean, that's, that's pretty good in-depth uh, thought process of it. But I, I, <laughs> one of the things, of when, when you were talking about that, a couple of things that jumped out at me. One, you mentioned the word ritual, and which I, I want to circle back to, but two – when, when you were describing the chaos and you were describing about how people are getting their information at so many different places, the one word that jumped out at me was confusion. Yes. Do you think that the confusion is part or, or, or the part of the chaos or maybe even just the main, main aspect of the chaos is confusion because, you know, you see it in so many different industries. And I think the reason you see it is exactly what you just said is that there's so many people saying one thing. And then of course, so many people saying the opposite, right? So in my field of of health and wellness, you know, you have people telling people to do high protein, high fat, and then you have other people saying, go vegetarian. You have other people saying, do CrossFit. And then you have other people saying, do yoga. And, you know, um, it just leads. I've to, tried all just, of those. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, well, I think the idea is, is that everything, everything has its place and everything works, but it just depends on the context of it. Right. So sure. at least that's what I feel like, you know, and, you know, I, I feel like more men should probably be doing yoga and get, get out of the gym one day a week and go do yoga. And then I think more people in the yoga industry should, you know, get out of the studio and go to the gym and, and, you know, train with weights. And I feel like there's a nice little blend there, but yeah. um, I think the, the word that jumped out at me was confusion. I was just curious about what you thought about that and, yeah, and, man. And where, I mean, you, where you see it going, or where, I mean, you know. imagine, imagine that your choices were limited to like three things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's easy to make a choice. Now your choices are limited by infinity, and you're being bombarded by infinite options at all times. Right. This, this is the difficulty that we face, and it's not just with your health and wellness, diet or exercise, masculinity, femininity. It's about you know, socialism, communism, libertarianism, capitalism. It's about economics. It's about everything, science, evolution. Everything is in this stage now where there's so much information. The the internet is made information basically free. And it means it's being distributed to us all the time, bombarding us all the time everywhere. And because we have so many choices and people make so many individual choices, we're lacking now in what's called cohesion, right? Imagine, and I'm stealing this from Jordan Greenhall from my podcast I did with him. Imagine society is like um, like a, uh, one of those old ocean faring vessels where you've got like a thousand guys in the bottom, like all rowing together. And, you know, you got one guy leading the charge. Well, it's easy to get everybody to row in the same direction when you've got one guy telling you when to row and how fast to row. But now you've got a million guys telling you when to row and where to row. And so the the boat isn't going anywhere and it's actually sort of tearing itself apart. And that's that's what we're missing with this uh, lack of cohesion that comes from confusion. It comes from information overload. It comes from 
um, just being bombarded with ideas and concepts and stories all the time. And so now we don't have a unifying story. We don't even have a unifying uh, national origin story anymore. You know, the New York Times is pushing, you know, the start date for America and pushing it back from 1776 to 1619 and totally recasting the story of the American uh, evolution, you know, in, into a completely different social justice oriented perspective. And so you've just, we're, we're just losing our cohesion and it comes from this confusion, which comes from data overload. And so that's why one of the six main things that we focus on liminal order when it comes to personal sovereignty is, uh, is discernment, which is being able to make the right decision, mm -hmm. right? And perception, which is being able to perceive the world around you and then making sense of it, sense making. So these are things that we really work on, which is because this is the main goal, the main problem that we face right now is how do we recreate a sense of cohesion in a world where there's infinite stories and infinite narratives that we all automatically latch onto? Like this is not an option for us. Like we are, we are evolutionarily designed to latch onto stories. And that's the way we know who's in our tribe, right? Is by what story, what narrative that we hold in common. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, and it's all imaginary, right? It's not real. It's nothing you can touch. It's something that goes into your brain and you hold it in your mind. And if we don't have a unifying narrative, then we have no social cohesion. If we have no social cohesion, then we don't ultimately have a nation, especially in the United States, where our nation today, at least, is not based on blood or heritage, but rather on an imagined order. So it's easy, like in Poland, if everybody's Polish, you have a national Polish country. In America, everybody seemingly is coming from everywhere now, and we don't have a, a racial or, or historical heritage to share. We are specifically a nation of shared imagined order. And if you destroy that imagined order, well, then you, have, you don't have a nation anymore. So these are all these main huge concepts, all filter down into what we do on a day-to-day -day basis in the liminal order, which is focus on really becoming the strongest and best person that we can be so that we can make sense of this world and so that we can begin to form our own narratives within the communities. We have 150 guys. You know, we have a shared mythology. We see the world the same way. And mm -hmm. that helps us. That's what builds our community. That's the backbone of our group, which um, if you want to, we can get into later, has been just a phenomenal experience and very helpful and heartwarming at times and, and really an amazing experience that began for me back in June of last year. Yeah, no, I definitely like to get into that. Um, can you just list out all the other? Um, sure. So There's six, six elements. Yeah, you um, mentioned discernment and perception yeah, and sense making. Yeah. So in order, we go perception, sense making, discernment, choice. And that also means commitment, integrity. And that's not necessarily like honesty, but actually like physical integrity and then embodiment, which is, you know, living out your ideals. Mm -hmm. And is that, are, are those six aspects of developing per personal sovereignty, pretty much the first message that people get when they come into the liminal order? Like what, like when they, when they come in, right. And you talk, we just talked about confusion and chaos and just so much information everybody's trying to make sense of things so let's say you have somebody who is confused maybe it's a person listening to this podcast and they're 
going to go check out the link, which will be in the show notes for anybody listening, um, you know, liminal-order.com. But, you know, let's say they're like, wow, that, that, that sounds like something I want to look into. That sounds like something I want to dive, you know, deeper uh, into. What do they get when they first come in there? What's the first message they're going to get? How do they, how are they quote unquote greeted? Right. So uh, if you sign up to the mailing list, you'll get a series of emails that lay out the whole story, the whole, oh, okay. back, the whole background, um, where, where and why and how this war on men started, where and why and how um, we've entered into a collective period of liminality, where and why and how networks are the new communities and how you need to have a network. Um, and it lays it all out over a series of, of emails. And then when you get in, we don't really like bombard you with it right away, um, but we do have ongoing discussions and workshops. And there's, you know, we have regular emails and regular video conferences and regular in-person meetups. So, you know, that's something we haven't mentioned, but like we've had meetings in New York, Washington, D.C., Los Angeles, San Francisco, Denver, Nashville, and Austin, I think, so far. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you've, been, got, you've been in all those meetups? I have not. And that's the oh. beauty of it is that it is, it's, it's designed for people to use the framework to create their own groups and to create their own communities as well. So um, the only ones I've been to have been in D.C. and in New York. So I'm actually planning to take a, a trip out west to go see some of these guys. But, no, they're having their meetings on their own. Um, and so they're bringing guys in and bringing guys together and building their own in-person communities because really, you know, being together in person is where it's at. You know, we've had 30 and 40 guys get together at a time and it's been really fantastic. Yeah. Um, but, uh, we do the workshops, like we did a workshop on uh, fourth generation warfare, which is a military strategy book, but it's also essential to understanding what's happening in our world today. Um, we're doing a workshop on personal sovereignty a little bit later, but what I just try to do is just make sure that these themes are incorporated into all of our communications. And so it's, uh, the whole thing is designed to enhance your sense of personal sovereignty, but you know, I may not be just hitting you over the head with a personal sovereignty, you know, textbook over and over again. Sure. Um, sure. but, uh, it, it's the underlying theme. And in fact, what we, again, embodiment, instead of just talking about personal sovereignty, we're actually helping guys create it, right? So we have fitness standards and fitness programs. We have meditation uh, challenges and meditation support groups. Um, we do community service and charity work. We did a national coordinated community service effort where we all donated over a thousand pounds of clothes to veterans in need around uh, Thanksgiving. So these are all elements that help improve your personal sovereignty. So instead of just talking about it all the time, we just encourage people to do things which actually lead towards an improvement in their personal sovereignty so that they can make better sense of this world and be a better dad and a better you know, community member and uh, hopefully even a better contributor to society at large. That's awesome. That's great. I like that. I love that a lot, actually. That, that thousand, thousand pounds of clothes is I'm sure yeah, it was much, a lot. much neat. Yeah, yeah it, was, that's a lot. it was great. We had a lot of guys. We had everybody. We, we did like a combined thing with Tanner Guzzi. He came and gave a little spiel on like how, what kind of clothes you should keep in your closet. And so then we had everybody clean out their closets and then don't, you know, take pictures of what they, an inventory of what they were donating. And then we all donated in coordinated effort all around the country. It was, it was really good. And we're going to do more 
community service work because I believe in service as an essential part of being like an evolved human being. Um, you get a lot out of it. You can do do good and and do well at the same time. And um, I find service, community service, hands on, in person community service to be very uplifting and rewarding. Yeah. And it's not something I wasn't raised with that idea. So, you know, it's something that um, was new to me as an adult and I'd really like to push it. And you know, again, these are all things, these are embodying the ideals rather than just preaching about the ideals all the time. You mentioned evolved human being. Um, I, I think about that a lot in the sense of where everything's going with technology and you know, I, I like to try to think on both sides of the coin and one, one almost kind of gives up hope, of course, to the, the, uh, at least the idea, which I don't really want to actually believe, but I just always think, is that a possibility of, is this actually where humans are going? Are they going to, you know, because you, you can, you can even see this in the, in the animal world too. I think, I think you could, I think you could give this to, or relate this to every single living thing on the planet. If you make it easier for a human or an animal to do something and you give them the path of, path of least resistance, I think they're naturally going to take it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you feed a dog or you feed a deer, a wild animal, let's just say, right? If you feed a deer consistently, that deer is going to come back because it knows it's a place that it can get food a lot yeah. easier than having to do something else for it. Yeah. And you see that a lot with everything that we do, right? I mean, you just, everything's at a click of a button. Amazon, you can have something there at your doorstep by 6 or 9 p.m., depending on what time you order it. If if it's not there today, it'll be there tomorrow, you know? Um, groceries to your doorstep now, it's just eliminating people. And I understand people want to save time, but then it's like, well, what are they filling that time with? Well, they're filling that time with other things that maybe aren't really contributing to themselves, aren't really contributing to their families because people are freeing up time from not having to do all these things, but then they're still unhealthy. They're still not fit. They're still not spending maybe enough time with their kids. So it's like, so what are they doing? What are they engaging in? So I'm just like, you know, with, with, I don't see these kinds of things going away because they keep evolving and keep getting bigger and bigger. I'm curious on your thoughts on that. It's like, I, I hope this isn't the fate of humanity, but it just seems like, what's going to be a big enough reason to make people go backwards unless something happens globally or nationally at first or something like that, where we're forced to go backwards, you know, like a, like a, like a technology, uh, you know, hack or, uh, you know, technology outage, you know, where then all of a sudden we're forced to go backwards into the stone age. And then people are fending for their lives and the people that know how to, make fire and that are strong and physically able and stuff like that. Those are going to be the ones that are survived because you always have that. That's that saying it's the strong survive and survival of the fittest. Like, I don't think that saying is going to go away anytime soon either, because I think that's a foundation principle of life in general. So, yeah, I don't, I, if, if your uh, solution is banking on uh, somehow us falling back to the stone ages. I think that that's probably a bad plan, not saying yours, but I don't think that we can count on or even hope for something like that. But what we can count on. Yeah. It's definitely not ideal. Yeah. But what we can count on for sure is that we're going to reach a new, a new point, like a new hybrid way of life. And yeah, technology is novel and it's all consuming and it's eating us all alive. Um, but it's also providing us new opportunities to look to look backwards and to to reach back into more 
um, sort of ancient traditions. Um, and I'm not the only one that's, that's sort of preaching this message. Um, but I think that there's a real clear uh, urge and a real clear need to go back to some real fundamental principles as dumb as it is being the change that you wish to see is one of them, you know, focusing on your family and your immediate friends and community, reaching out, doing things, working together, cooperating. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is why getting together in real space is an essential part of the limit order because online connections and relationships are insufficient and they provide an illusion of connection. Whereas the real strong bonds of a personal relationship are what gives us energy and what gives us life. I mean, we are social animals. We have evolved to run in groups and packs and tribes. And when we get together with other people and create things and to do things and to create positivity in the world, we feel better about ourselves. You know, we just feel better. It releases feel good drugs. It attracts us to doing that same behavior over and over again. And unfortunately things like social media and instant gratification of online online, you know, consumable media um, are replacing, they're triggering those same feelings in us without providing us with the good stuff. Like it releases dopamine, it triggers you, you get addicted to it, uh, but it's not actually giving you all the positive benefits. And so we're replacing those personal connections with these fake online ethereal bullshit connections. And so we haven't sorted this out yet. And just like you said, survival of the fittest, I mean, the people that are going, the people who will succeed are the people that are going to learn how to create new pathways towards ancient, well-known, long-standing wisdom, uh, which is like, how do I get past the fact that everything I want in the world is one click away? Oh, I have to get out there and make relationships. Oh, I have to actually be a human being and engage with other human beings. And I, and again, I cannot stress enough how important it is to get together with people. You experienced this at 21 convention at all of our liminal order meetings, especially the big ones. Uh, all the guys are just operating on a higher energy level when they're there. They're just elevated. You're just excited. You're just engaged. Your mind is functioning at a higher capacity. You're able to think faster and more clearly. You feel better. You smile more. You laugh more. It's it's like taking a drug. It's like entering into a different reality. If you spend all of your day just commuting and working in a cube and commuting and dealing with a wife that doesn't really love you and kids that are shitty and then like and you don't have any time for anything else, you know you are missing out on something really significant and really powerful. And when these guys and I, when we come to these meetings and these gatherings, you can just feel an actual different vibration in the room. We're operating on a different plane. And this is what I want uh, guys to focus on. This is, this is what I'm trying to encourage uh, because I know for me, it lifts my mood. It energizes me. It gives me a million new things to think about gives me gratitude. You know, gratitude is something that's missing, I think, in this world today, for sure. Uh, and so, you know, everything that we're doing is designed to, to, to tap into to these sort of well-known, but yet somehow forgotten notions of community and interpersonal relationships and, and interpersonal um, actions and, and, and experiences. Um, and so we have to really try to, we have to be proactive in finding ways to create that for ourselves. Whereas in the past, just by nature of wanting to eat, 
you know, or build a shelter or fight off the other tribe, we were having communal experiences. Now, now we, we don't have those. And in the old days, churches and religion were, uh, were the way that people found a lot of this stuff. Uh, but the, the, you know, the Christian church in America is in decline. Um, religion in general is in decline, falling out of favor in the United States. And I think this is a, a bad thing. Uh, and and I will say that I, I can acknowledge that a lot of the elements of the, the liminal order in terms of community, working together, caring for your fellow man, et cetera, et cetera, these things are are echoes of traditional religious institutions. And so, you know, we're just doing it in a very 2020 way, using technology and being very cognizant of our current environment rather than uh, couching it in, you know, ancient and historical terms. Yeah. What's one of the ways that you've grown since, since starting this order? Because, you know, like you're, you're, you're the authority figure, right? You're the one that launches it. You're the one that puts it together. And, you know, people look to you for the guidance and for the main message. But as, as you know, you know, whenever you, I'm sure, get up on stage and talk or whenever you, uh, you know, hold, hold, hold some of these meetings or just attend some of these meetings, you learn so much. I mean, I, I learned so much every time I work with one of my, with one of my clients and what is, what's one of the biggest things that you've taken away and, and implemented maybe in yourself, in your psyche since starting the order? Yeah. Well, I think one of the things I didn't expect, well, we can start with that is I'm continuously inspired by the other guys, right? Like as the, as the leader and the founder, you would think that it's my job to inspire everyone. Which I, which right. I guess I do, which I mean, I do, but uh, what I have been very pleasantly surprised about is how inspiring and motivating the other guys, energy, actions, attitudes are for me. Um, and when I just see positive things happen and I just see the energy and the commitment from the fellow members, it just inspires me to work even harder and to, and to do even more. Um, I've learned to, to have a renewed faith in my fellow man, to be honest. Um, there was, you know, a time it was, I think it was cool to be real cynical when I was younger, at least who I was hanging out with. And I always felt like I was sort of counterculture. Um, and then of course you go through an experience like being docs and have your, you know, name, job, reputation, career, income, fam- everything taken away from you. You could become really cynical. Uh, and you could really think very poorly about humans. And if you just spend all of your time on Twitter, uh, you're going to really have a bad idea of what people are like. <laughs> yeah. um, but but getting together with these guys and seeing the way that they rally to each other's support just inspires me and lifts my spirits. I'm getting as much out of founding and being the leader as as I would have ever hoped any member would get out of it. Yeah. Like, for example, a great story that just happened. Um, last month, one of our guys was getting married. And finances are always tough around uh, weddings. But for, for reasons outside of his control, they were even tighter. And he, like, it was the week of his wedding and his truck broke down. And he was supposed to do all this stuff for the wedding and transport people and blah, blah, go to work and this and that. And he just, he just was stuck. And before he could ask for any help all he was doing was just talking about this problem behind the scenes a bunch of guys got together and, and in an hour they had raised fifteen hundred dollars fifteen hundred dollars for him 
And within like two hours of him even just mentioning this problem without asking for help or being crybaby about it or anything, guys had raised $1,500 and we got his truck fixed just like that. And it was done within a matter of a day. And wow. it's like, it, I mean, and these are just guys from all over the country chipping in 10 bucks, 25 bucks, 50 bucks, whatever. You know, the point is, is that there was a member in need and everybody rose to the occasion and took care of it. And that was that. I mean, small effort on the part of many different people coordinated uh, led to a big personal result for him. Um, and that's know, real it, change right there. That's real I change. Mean, that's like man. actual, real, tangible yeah. change, progress, whatever you want to call it. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just yeah. basically like the, you know, an old an old world community just helping out all of its members or yeah. all, all of the people that live in it. Yeah. You know, it's it, the analogy I always like to make is like, you know, raising the barn in the community, right? Like mm-hmm. everybody, everybody takes one day out of their, out of their year to come over to your friend's house. You guys put up a barn in a day, you know, and it's like, everybody feels good about it. They feel good about helping each other and your brother's got a barn and he's going to be more productive and it doesn't really take much effort on your part. Um, and, and it's that kind of idea that I'm really liking to, uh, to foster. Uh, and there's been a number of other instances like that and other real tangible things. Like we've got guys focused on their resting heart rate, right? So that's one sign that we're using is having your anxiety under control or having your blood pressure or sorry, your just cardiovascular health, uh, uh, in shape. And, and we had a guy that didn't even know that his resting heart rate was like 115 or 120 or something. And so like, he just started looking at it. We've got doctors and medical professionals in the group. Everybody sort of chipped in some advice. And within like six weeks, dude had his resting heart rate down to like, you know, 75 or something. Like this is real world benefit and positive uh, change in people's lives. In this case, I could have probably saved that guy, that guy's life, or at least put another 10 years onto his life. Sure. And, and uh, it's just little things like that that add up over time that every month make me think this is like the best thing that I ever did. And this is all in the context of like, we're just writing emails and having video conferences and daily chats. You know, we've got a, you know, a chat messaging app. We've got people talking. There's hundreds and hundreds of messages every day. There's countless numbers of forum posts. Plus there's video conferences, real world meetings. And all these things are working together to help guys help each other. And then everybody wins in the end. And uh, I'm getting fucking pumped just talking about it. Yeah, man. This is great stuff. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 you know, a year ago, dude, you have to remember, I had been fired. My name ruined. You'd Google my real name. And the first results are all about how I'm some sort of Nazi white nationalist, which is a complete lie. My income was taken away. I had been making at times up to 200K in my old field, gone, all of it gone. I almost got evicted out of my house because of it. I got kicked out of coaching Little League because of it. I had time taken away from my, my, my son because of all this shit. And wow. I decided this is how we're going to move forward. I wish that I had something like this then. So I set out to create it. And now there's almost 150 dudes in there living it every single day. And it's, uh, it's actually a dream come true, to be honest. And uh, I'm really excited about 2020. After a tough couple of years, 2020 is looking like it's going to be a major level up year for me. So that's, you know, that's exciting. Mm-hmm. And it's not just me. It's everyone around me. So I'm just trying to, like, put my head down, not spend so much time doing dumb shit on social media, you know, sure, I have like almost 30,000 Twitter followers, but I have to keep that going. 
Um, but really main, my main energy is every day just dedicated to these guys, supporting them, pushing the agenda and helping them figure out ways to help each other. Yeah. Yeah. I remember you were saying that you, uh, you know, got, got kicked off of uh, little league from coach and little, but I didn't know you almost got, you said ev- evicted out of your house. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I was a real estate developer for a long time. So I have like commercial real estate portfolio. So I, I actually chose to rent instead of uh, buy a house. So I'm renting a house and the, the wife of the, you know, the guy I'm renting it from follows these Antifa chicks in DC and found out all about all this online shit and was like, thought that I was a Nazi and she like, demanded of her husband that they throw us out of the house because I wrote an article questioning sanctuary cities or any legal immigration or whatever it was. And he told me about it. Uh, he said he had to calm her down and it wasn't really going to happen. But like, had he not been strong enough to like chill her out, he might've tried to throw me out just for some online, like an essay I wrote. Like it's uh, it's an insane world that we live in. So it, it touched every aspect of my life. My LinkedIn profile is trashed. My professional reputation and my old career is completely trashed. And, um, you know, my little league coaching career, completely over. And, you know, uh, a year ago, this was a really dark time, man. Um, but I can say today it was all been fucking worth it. And uh, it's just amazing how fast things can change if you just continue to put one foot in front of the other. Yeah, I could I could have really just given up and, like, changed my name, moved to a different city and, and just, you know, been a nobody. But I said, fuck it, man, I'm going to dig in. I'm going to fight back and I'm not just going to fight back. I'm going to come back stronger and harder and be more effective and more powerful uh, than ever. And I have, and it uh, feels good. feels good. That's great, man. That's such a good success story too, because you're right. It could be so easy to just crumble under that yeah. kind of pressure. I mean, with, with just everything domino, you know, domino effect around you happening. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, totally. I, people have said, they're like, dude, you got totally shredded. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I did end of, and the, the wild part is, and this is how I met at the beginning. Like my story is part, my story is so crucial to what I'm doing now because it's per- perfectly related to everything that's going on in our world and culture today. I lived this whole thing out on Twitter in real time, right? Mm-hmm. Like I got doxxed on Twitter. I got fired basically on Twitter. I got, when I got kicked off little league, I shared that on Twitter, all that shit all happened real time on Twitter. And, you know, I, I think I probably had 15,000 followers maybe back then. They all watched it all happen. Everybody on my email list, they all saw it all happen. People rallied, you know, like I, they donated thousands and thousands of dollars to me for help me. Um, and, and I just have, I've lived this whole thing out in real time as a semi-public persona. And, uh, in doing that, I think it's also been inspirational for other people, for them to see everything kind of be great. Everything be fucking horrible, the extended kind of horrible time, the rebuild, and then now sort of a rebirth. And, um, it's been a, it's been like a real, it's been like a reality TV show actually. Um, you know, just live on display for everyone to see and witness and participate in. And to circle back to like the power of narrative, the fact that I was able through my training and writing to create a narrative out of this whole mess, right? Like 
I could have let everyone else decide what the story was going to be. And then that would have been the story. But I took charge of the story. I decided I'm going to make this the narrative. This is the story. This is what my life is going to be. And that's what it's become. And it's just a real testament to the power of, of narrative, the power of storytelling, the power of the stories that you tell yourself, the power of the stories that you tell other people, the expectations that you create in other people's minds make it at once easier to live up to and make you accountable too. So I've crafted a story out of this chaos that put order to chaos and it brought me out of the transition period, out of that state of liminality and into a new, new sort of stable point um, all through the power of story and then action, obviously, but all through the power of story and narrative control, which is a very interesting and very 2020 uh, phenomenon, especially given social media and technology and everything. Yeah. Um, I really want you to briefly, I, I saw something on your blog that just, it made me laugh. The story was very entertaining. I smiled through most of it. Um, smashing kids in the face <laughs> and other A plus dad tips for 2020. I think everybody <laughs> listening to this should definitely go check out jackmurphylive.com and then go to the blog section or just go to the link yeah. masculinity section. I think it's still the first yeah. article on there. And so you were at a trampoline park and I, I don't know how they let a guy of your size on those damn trampolines <laughs> with those kids. Cause that is just, <laughs> you're, you're the reason that, uh, or, or that scenario is the exact reason why you go into any trampoline park and it says may cause death, snapping of neck, <laughs> you know, like losing your head or limb. Um, <laughs> but yeah, cause you're what, like six, five. Six, yeah. I'm, I'm six, four. I'm about uh two fifty right now. Yeah. So, nah. you know, you're a little guy, right? Yeah. And so just briefly tell that story. Yeah. So, um, my mom was in town. And uh, my girlfriend, she goes by Red Hen online, so I'll just I'll call her that. Red Hen, she figures out something for us to do. We go to this trampoline park. And I got there, and I was a little skeptical. I'm like, why the hell do I want to just jump around up and down? <laughs> but I gave it a shot. I gave it a shot. And, man, it was so fun. And it is a lot you, of fun. It before fun. you know it, I am just jumping and flying and going crazy all over the place. And there's these, um, dude, like everywhere, like off the walls, like going from one end of the whole thing all the way to the other, just how, like hop, how, hop, 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 hop. How you did not land on a single kid is beyond me. Dude. There was a couple of close calls, but, you know, <laughs> I like changed direction <laughs> midair. Um, <laughs> but uh, but then, then we saw the dodgeball courts and we all, we decided to go play dodgeball. And it was the, it was like six of us, my three kids, my mom, my girlfriend and me, and we're playing dodgeball in there. My son's 13, my oldest daughter's 14. So we were having, we were having fun. But before you knew it, there was like five, six, seven, like eight to 12 year old boys that I didn't even know where they came from. And they're all right up in my face. And they, they all wanted to play with us too. And I just started pelting those kids, man. And I would hit them as hard as I possibly could. I remember hitting this one kid in the back of the head that it knocked him clear off his feet. Like he didn't just kind of like go to his knees and then down, like his feet came off the ground and he went down, but he jumped back up and looked at me and just screamed like more, right? Like they were going crazy. And in, you know, th that was my experience, right? It was awesome. Oh, and, at the, and then at the end, yeah. and I'll tell you the moral of the story in a minute, but then at the end there was this uh, like, 
American Ninja Warrior sort of like obstacle course and no one could do it. Um, and cause the last part of it involved like, like a, like monkey bars, but they were like at like a 45 degree angle up. And so you had to do like a pull up and swing to the next bar and no one could finish it. Um, but I managed to do it. And after I did it, I was completely soaked, like soaked head to toe and sweat dripping, looking like a maniac. People were like applauding because no one had been able to do it. And like dads were like dads were like sitting there with their jackets folded over their arms and their phone in one hand, you know, looking kind of dumpy and stupid. And they were like, wow, man. And like the wives that were there without their without their um, husbands, they were like, wow, man. And the kids who were there without the dads, they were like, wow, man. And I remember this one kid, I hit him in the face. No, no, he hit me in the face. And I said, dude, my first instinct was like, where's your dad? And he's like, I don't have one. I was like, oh, God. So that's when I realized. And yeah, when I, when I read that part of the story, I was just like, my, my heart sank. I was just like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, so that was when the experience went from just being something very fun for me and my family to being like a, a story about our day, right? So we're at this place, which requires physical activity. It requires um, being committed to your family. It requires being involved in a present father. And there were literally no other involved or present fathers there at all. There were fathers who were there who were on their phones, fat and stupid looking. There were women who were there who didn't have their husbands with them. And there were kids who were there that didn't have any fathers. And they were all attracted to me in this most profound and crazy way. The kids were excited and pumped up and energized. They wanted me to hit them and knock them over and roughhouse and, and, and just be insane with them. The moms, I do. They looking at me, I'm all sweaty. I'm 250, but I'm not fat, right? Like I'm a, I'm a built like a middle linebacker and like, yeah. I'm like sweating and dripping and they're looking at me and the dads are making these snide comments like, Oh, some workout you got there. I'm like, yeah, motherfucker, you could stand and get one too. And so it just became this like it just became this like entire story about America and the issues of masculinity, of strong and present father fatherhood and a lack of strong male leadership. And like, why aren't these dads either here or participating or leading their families anywhere when it's clear everyone around us was affected by just me being present, enthusiastic and energized and it affected like literally everyone in that whole place one way one way or the other and that's not because i'm so fucking cool it's because everyone else was so lame and there's like a crisis i think there's a crisis the kids don't have leadership the wives don't have leadership and the men who are there they're like not they're not worth looking up to right and so this is what I want to focus on, man. I want to develop strong male leadership so you can have strong families, strong communities, strong nation. And it all starts with men being men and doing the shit that they need to do, not being fat, not being lazy, not being disengaged, you know, not being distant, not being pussies, not being followers. They have to lead. You have to be strong. You have to be strong emotionally, strong physically. And you have to take, take charge and you have to be present. And if you do all those things, every other piece just falls into place. Why? Because that's how we're evolved to be in our most optimal way. Mm-hmm. Women, women want to see you be as a strong leader. 
kids want to see you engaged and being positive and being masculine. And if you just do those simple things, everyone around you feels good. It's like a a mobile, a mobile, you know, those like things you hang from the ceiling and there's a bunch of parts. And if you move one, the whole thing gets disrupted. Mm -hmm. Like, like the dad, the strong dad is at the middle and all the little other things, they can find their perfect harmony. If you're good, if you're good, all the other pieces around it can find harmony and balance and be happy. But if you in the middle are disrupted then everyone else is disrupted and not just in a little bit, but like it's amplified when dad is fucked up on a, on a factor of one, the kids are fucked up on a factor of 10. Right. So like, it's so important for the dad to be strong and present and exhibit positive leadership because then everything else just falls into place naturally. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, reading that, and maybe you've already thought of this, that this too, or, or, you know, thought of it from this perspective, but I'm, I'm reading that. And it's like, it's, it's so about the story. So about you. Right. And it's, it's maybe the perception because, you know, this one guy was in the locker room and he was talking, he was like, wow, you know, you got a really good workout. And it was all still about you. Um, and I, and I thought I took it one step further and I thought it was like, wow, I wonder what Jack's kids thought in the moment. And, I, I, I would assume they probably just thought there's dad being dad again, or it's just another fun day with dad. And then you have other perception of kids and be like, wow, look at that dad. Yeah. Like look at those kids, dad over there. Look what he's doing. And then where, where's my dad? Because I'm sure other kids want to have those experiences. You know, it was cool that that, that, you know, the kid that didn't have a dad ran up to you and all of a sudden it was like, you know, maybe you were his father figure for like five minutes. Right. And so, but the kids that did have the dads that were sitting there with the jacket over their arms, sitting on there on their phones, like, you know, making it like it's a babysitting service. Um, uh, You know, it's like, well, I want to have that experience with my dad. But, it, yeah. but I, but I'm not, or I don't have those experiences with my dad. So I'll go have it with this kid's dad. But how yeah. cool is that? You know what I mean? So looking at it yeah. from the kid's perspective. Well, and I then, think so it, for anybody listening to this, it's like, well, how, how do you want your kids yeah. to look at you or, you know, cause if your kids are like, this is just my dad, it's just like, this is how he is all the time, you yeah. know, and, and they don't know any different, you yeah. know, if they, if they walked a day in the kid's shoes, that doesn't have a dad or the dad's a deadbeat, they'd be like, Oh my God, like, you know, cause you just don't know what you don't know. But I just feel like that's something like, you know, we could look at other dads and be like, man, I want to be like that, you know, or like, well, he's, he's doing the right thing. And that's cool because you're a piece of inspiration for that other person, but take it that step further and think of the perception of your kids and then other people's kids and how they're looking at you. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, interesting question. I, my, uh, my son is 13 now he's starting to see it, right? Like he, the other day, he's like, you're not like all the other dads, are you? <laughs> like nobody, no. And, uh, he's like, well, he's like, well, I want to be like you. And like, he, he has been lifting like crazy. We lift together all the time. Now he pushed me. Like I figured he'd start lifting around 14 or 15. He's like, no, I'm ready now. He pushed me to go buy the bar, to buy the weights, buy the squat, squat rack. And so we lift all the time now. And like, all he wants to do is be big and strong and be a leader and, and be positive. And uh, he, he's starting to see how it's not the norm because most of his friends, dads are like uh, overworked lawyers or, you know, out of town on business or just can't be fucking bothered. 
you know, whereas I've coached him in little league from age seven, all the way up to age, you know, almost 11 and uh, coached a number, you know, 200 of his buddies. Um, and so they're, they're starting to see it. Uh, the other kids, you know, it creates kind of a dissonance for them. Like, uh, cause they don't, no kid wants to like think poorly of their own parents, but at the same time, when you see something you're kind of jealous of, there's no question that it creates a little bit of dissonance for the kid. So that doesn't make me too happy, but uh, the best thing that you can do is just lead by example. And that's what I'm trying to do. Again, be the change you wish to see cliched and sounds stupid as all hell, but it is truly the way. Yeah. It is truly truly the way. I don't think it sounds stupid at all. You know I mean? It might, it might be cliche, but at the same time, I feel like those, those sayings stay around for a purpose and, you know, yeah. people have to hear it more than once and that's, and that's fine too. Yeah, definitely. You know? Cool, man. Well, you know what? I can't let you go before, uh, be, uh, before I go through every single question that I ask every guest and, yeah, um, hit me. uh, these, uh, these 10 questions were inspired by, uh, James Lippin and Bernard Pivot. So you ready to go? Oh God. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Who is your hero? Oof. Who is my hero? I, you know, there's not anything that's coming to mind, to be honest. I had uh, childhood heroes, athlete heroes, like Roger Clemens and Michael Jordan were certainly guys that I idolized as a kid. Uh, in terms of the heroes today, you know, it's funny. I think I've learned so much about human nature that I understand everybody is flawed and even people you would pedestalize are flawed. I don't know that I have a hero. I know that I have the goal of being a hero for my son and for the people around me, but one day they'll find out that I'm fucked up too. I think, and to be honest, I think one of the first things I thought was myself and I don't want to sound like Matthew McConaughey a few years ago at the Oscars said that he's like, I'm my own inspiration or some shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to be my own hero. Like I, I want, to, and I'm thinking about this in terms of like hero's journey, right? Like I, I want to know that I'm capable of facing adversity, overcoming it and coming out stronger on the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, it may be a weird answer, but I don't really have any external heroes, frankly. I, 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 I want to be my own hero. If that's what's real for you, it's not weird at all. Yeah. You know, that's what, that is what's real for me. Okay. Funny. What excites, what excites you? What excites me? Uh, progress, seeing progress in myself and in other people, um, helping people overcome their own, own adversity, their own issues. Um, seeing my son learn, go from being seven years old and crying on the pitcher's mound when he would, you know, fuck up to being 13 years old and seeing him just be able to fix that by taking a deep breath and, and a walk around the, the mound for a second. Uh, that kind of shit gets me excited. Um, seeing people, seeing people make positive change, grow, seeing them do good things for themselves and other people. Nice. gets gets me excited. What turns you off? Uh, lack of personal accountability. Um, people that blame everything around them for their own troubles. Uh, lazy people. Um, people that 
transmit their laziness and lack of accountability to their children. That doesn't just turn me off. That like enrages me. Uh Um, But yeah, mostly like a lack of personal awareness and and self accountability that turns me off big time. What is your favorite sound? Hmm. (laughs) I just had so many thoughts. Um, Yeah. I, in my, in my youth, I was a, an audio engineer and a music producer and so I'm really tuned into sounds. And whenever I watch movies, I'm really turned into all the, the accompanying sounds. Like you open up the drawer, just the sound of the silverware jostling inside of it, or the plate going down on the counter, or the bread box opening, or the sound of the toaster clicking. So I'm really into sound. I'm constantly actually thinking about it. Um, but the two sounds that specifically come to mind that I like the most, the sound of my kids laughing, and the sounds that uh, my wife or girlfriend rather makes when she's uh, very happy and excited about what we're doing, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Nice. What is your least favorite sound? I don't know. That's a tough one. My least favorite sound, probably some combination of the knife on the plate or the chalk on the chalkboard or shrill piercing things like that Mm -hmm. um but even that man i've come to come to accept those things as something that we all deal with so what's the fucking use of being bothered by it sure what is your favorite quote or saying be the change you wish to be be the change you (laughs) wish to see uh there's that one then there's also um invictus which is like uh about uh you know sort of battling through low points in your life. Um, I also like the Teddy Roosevelt uh, gladiator in the arena. Uh, you know, fuck the critics. It's the gladiators that, that know what they're doing. Uh, things like that. But definitely be the change has been a main sort of mantra for me. Awesome. In a couple words, what should a dad be? Hmm. I would say a rock, but to me that that has like an emotionalist connotation to it. Um, a hero, consistent, um, steady, um, forgiving, relentlessly forgiving. Mm-hmm. In a couple words, what should a dad not be? Selfish, self-centered, impatient, easily irritated. Don't be a bitch. I like it. If you could try any other profession, what would it be? Uh, rock star, dude. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, what would you like to be remembered for? Um, I would like to be remembered for being a lighthouse. Hmm. I like that. Yep. That's awesome. Jack, let everybody know. Uh, I will put everything in the show notes, but I want you to hear, I want them to hear from you. Find out, uh, tell everybody where they can find out more about you, 
Um, you already talked a lot about Twitter, so sure. people can follow you there. Um, tell them sure. your websites, everything like that. Yeah, the main website is jackmurphylive.com. Um, I'm on Twitter at Jack Murphy Live, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, everything at Jack Murphy Live. Uh, the website for Liminal Order is liminal-order.com. Uh, uh, check us out there. But uh, Twitter is uh, and the podcast. But Twitter is, is mainly my main area. I'm on there every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you want to reach out to me, that's a good way to do it. Or you can always get me at jack at jackmurphylive.com. Awesome. And uh, podcast, you're on iTunes, Jack Murphy Live podcast. And then yep. also, uh, if people want to look up your book, it's uh, Democrats Deplorable on Amazon. That's right. right. Yep. Thank you. That's right. Democrats yep. Deplorable on Amazon. Podcast is on iTunes, Spotify, you know, all the major places. Nice. Awesome, man. Jack, thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate you, man. Hey, my pleasure. I'm glad that we could uh, make this happen after a few months. Um, thanks for being patient and I uh, appreciate you having me on. Yeah, man. Have a great one. Okay, you too, buddy. Thank you. Yep. Hey, guys. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Warrior Dads podcast. If you like this podcast and want to support it, please subscribe, leave comments, and share it with someone you think would benefit from listening as well. Thanks again, and keep on being a Warrior Dad.